From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good morning to you. It's a little bit after 10 o'clock. I was just tidying things up, and so we're a few minutes late, so you can get some of your money back. Wait a minute. We don't charge. Okay, uh, this is Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. OneRadioNetwork.com. Good to have you. Boy, this, um, oh man, so what a beautiful day here in Dripping Springs, Texas. Come visit sometime. We're the marriage capital of the world. Of Texas, so if you'd like to get married here, uh, I'll hook you up with a great spot. I know a great spot. Uh, you have to find your own boys and girls. That's up to you. All right, kids. Our phone number, if you'd like to join us and talk about gold and money and uh, currency, geopolitics, we're going to have a good show for you. Matthew Pipenberg is with us. I hope I pronounced his name right. And uh, He's uh, with a real fancy company in uh, in Switzerland, and he lives in the south of France. So I think he's probably done pretty well for himself because south of France, and you know. And so we're gonna have fun. Uh, here's our phone number: triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Email Patrick at one radio network dot com. Matthew, um, uh, he wrote a book called "Rigged to Fail." He went to Brown University, Harvard University. Oh, excuse moi. And uh, so he's a smart guy. You know, he's one of those smarty pants. So we're going to have him on the air here and say hello. Harvard University. I mean, come on. You just made that part up, right? You just made that part up. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, I was just passing through. Just passing through Boston, Cambridge, whatever. Cambridge, yeah. Uh, what did you take at yeah. Harvard uh, to learn about money stuff? Did they teach you anything good? Honestly, I was more of a, you know, I was studying the humanities undergrad in law school for grad school. I wasn't really an economist by any means. I wasn't studying economics. I was studying more human behavior, philosophical, theological questions. It was really more interesting to me. I always thought the markets like law or a trade, you learn the ground, not in the books. And that's actually true. But um, right after grad school, a great, my great friend then and now had started a hedge fund with, you know, we were in, that was that dot-com bubble the late 90s and i was the guy you'd learn to love to hate because we were those 20-somethings who had money from friends family and fools and started a hedge fund i didn't know much about markets i was still like very young didn't know a stock from a bond but in that crazy era um everything was going up on the nasdaq and these tech stocks and growth stocks and there were ipos to be had for almost nothing and by pure luck, pure lottery, we got into a pre-IPO, one of five, that four of which tanked, but one of which did really, really well. So we were accidentally successful. Yeah. It wasn't savvy, but that was, gosh, almost 30 years ago now. And, you know, in the, in the intervening decades, I got far more sophisticated and more interested in actually uh, supply and demand and central banks and risk assets and being responsible for my own and other people's money makes you learn real fast. And going through that bubble in that crazy time of the late 90s was a learning experience. It was fun, but it was also crazy, just crazy overvaluations and bubble territories. And, you know, you couldn't take yourself too seriously. I never have. That was a lottery ticket, plain and simple. <laughs> and then the, the, the many years since, um, just trying to be more responsible and more candid with what I've learned on the ground, really on the ground, not on in the, the books. Ground. When did you write the book, uh, Rigged to, Rig to Fail? It, it did pretty well on Amazon. It was like really hot, yeah, hot was, stuff up there. That, yeah. that was good timing, too, because yeah. I, that book came out on February 19th, uh, 2020. 
it was the height of the S&P. The title's rigged to fail, and the market reached an all-time high on the day it came out. But within a month, the market's tanked by greater than 30%, and that was for so many reasons that were predictable. And they would have tanked by 60 to 70% if the Fed hadn't printed $4 trillion in less than you know 12 months. Right. So there was a major failure in March of 2020, which was as foreseeable as a cavity to a dentist. At the time, for us who tracked the markets, the U.S. was in so much debt, its bond market was so overpriced, its yields were so repressed, it was a bubble of all time. And it would have, like I said, been worse than the Black Monday of 29 had we not printed trillions of artificial stimulus and mm -hmm. debased our currency to save Wall Street, which is what the Fed does. Um, but yeah, we were lucky timing there because the, the book came out right right when the markets tanked about a month later. And that wasn't foreseeable. I knew they would tank, but no one could time when or often even how. There's It's like gasoline waiting for some type of fire. The catalyst isn't always what you think it is. COVID was a very convenient catalyst to crash the market, but it was far more importantly an, a very good catalyst for the government to justify trillions and trillions of more bailouts to Wall Street. Yes, I think many people don't realize most of that money went back to the banks, not to the main street. So, you know, it was a classic. It was worse. It was worse than 08 and 09 in the Bernanke era. When when COVID crashed the markets, the, the Fed came in and printed more money than is imaginable. And that really did go straight to uh, Wall Street and the banks, yeah, unfortunately. Let's talk a bit about that, Matthew. Uh, Matthew's okay? Is that cool? Is that sure. Okay? Yeah. Can I get mm -hmm. you to scoot your camera a little bit over to your political... Right there, this way? there, that boy. Yeah. I just want to get you a little bit there more on the center. I was losing there on the, on your yeah. right side. So, um, okay. So the Treasury creates a bond. I owe you a billion dollars, mm -hmm. and the Federal Reserve Bank of New York will create a billion dollars on a computer. They do a little whoop de doop, right? And the Treasury has a billion dollars to spend on uh, mm -hmm. solar panels or whatever they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Don't get me started there. And yeah. then how does that end up in the banks? Uh, it's, it's convoluted and crazy. It, it, we can get into the complex, which will maybe bore listeners, or we can get well, into the simple. Let's not get too which, geeky, but keep it, talk to yeah. us like we're a young child or a golden retriever. That's, well, it's literally like uh, like mouse click money. It's mm -hmm. not even printed money. It's, no, it's not you know dollar bills. Yeah. It's printed. I mean, imagine if you had an account at Wells Fargo okay. and it had $10,000 or $1,000 in mm -hmm. your checking account. Mm -hmm. Um, and if by simple hacking or back-end access to Citibank or Wells Fargo, you could just add a few more zeros to that 1,000. So you can go to 10,000, 100,000, a million in seconds. It'd be very seductive. It'd be very tempting to do. Well, anyone would do it. We're not allowed to. That's illegal. That's counterfeit. That's fraud. That's a financial crime. You'd be arrested immediately. Under the Federal Reserve System, which came of light in 1913, that's effectively legalized counterfeit or legalized money creation uh it's uh something that um you got if, if you haven't read it there's a great book called the creature from jekyll oh, sure. island uh, i think by ed griffin Edward? it's a classic yeah. Yeah. yeah it is an absolute must read if you think i'm exaggerating how insane this is it's actually true i mean the federal reserve's origins are something like a tom clancy novel it's such a cabal it's such a duplicitous machine and woodrow wilson when he signed it law said it was the darkest day of his life and it was the darkest day for american history he was literally coerced into putting the Federal Reserve into 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 life, but getting back to your question, it's it's simply adding zeros to the national for the Fed's balance sheet. The Fed takes that 
right. mouse click rated money. Most of it is used to buy its own IOUs, uh, to buy its own debt, to buy its own treasuries. Uh, banks have access to those treasuries. The banks can buy those treasuries, which they hold on reserve at the Fed. It's a deal between the banks and the Fed. Remember, the Fed is a banker's bank created by banks for banks and for Wall Street. <laughs> So they print money, uh, they give low interest rate loans, but the, the, the money goes somehow into the banks. The banks then buy those treasuries, hold them on reserve at the Fed, and then they get what's called interest. They get interest payments from the Fed for holding the money at the Fed. So it's a circular loop, really, of keeping hmm. banks liquid and the Fed, um, you know, instrumental part in that. It's, it's truly um, a banker's bank. The Fed says its mandate is for employment and inflation. Again, if you read between the lines, look a little deeper into the history and the actual practice of the Fed without getting too detailed, the Fed was created for banks and for Wall Street yeah, so, and for liquidity. So when we see the $9 trillion on their balance sheet, which I didn't look at it this morning, the H-401 release, but I think it's close to 9 now, those yeah, yeah. treasuries may be at uh, J.P. Morgan or something in, in a drawer there, mm -hmm. even though they have it on their, their balance sheet. Reserve, yeah, their right. balance sheet. Right. Right. So but now they're that, that, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, oh. that nine trillion number. Think about that. That's yeah. that's staggering. Because just before um, the 08 crisis, if you go back to the pre 08 massive housing right. mortgage-backed security, you know that whole thing, that massive bubble, that subprime nonsense. The Fed's balance sheet was less than a trillion. It was eight hundred and fifty million really? billion. Excuse me, eight hundred fifty billion. Within a matter of years, it went from eight hundred fifty billion to three point four to four point two to four point five trillion. I thought that was extraordinary. Wall Street was even shocked by the level of liquidity that the Fed created to bail out that subprime mortgage fiasco because the banks had all this subprime paper that no one wanted to buy. No one wanted it, just like our U.S. Treasury. So the Fed created money to buy it from the banks to bail the banks out. But then we went um, from 2009 to 2014, we, we you know multiplied the Fed's balance sheet by 5x over a period of years from again 2009 to 2014 late 2014 keep in mind in 2020 to 2021 we printed more money in that one year than we did all through that prior period qe1 qe2 qe3 qe4 operation twist which was shocking to all of us but then in the, under the name of covid we created more money in a matter of one year than we did mm -hmm. in a matter of many years and so uh, the Fed's balance sheet is now simply fantastical. It's fantasy. It's absolutely insane. And of course, when you create that much money, it does have an inflationary effect. Many say, well, that money's kept between the Fed, the Treasury, and the, and the central bank, or the central bank and the Treasury Department, and these commercial banks. So it doesn't actually circulate into Main Street. So it's not inflationary. That's just not true. That's it not is true. inflationary. And, and you can't add a swimming pool of water to a wine glass of wine and not dilute the flavor of the wine. It's the same thing with money. When you add trillions of new liquidity into the market, even if it's in this dam behind the central bank and the treasury department, no matter what, that money still dilutes itself. And so you have a diluted currency. And that means diluted purchasing power. And so the power of your dollar is weaker. Which is why there's so much inflation now. One of the reasons, along with the supply chain clogs yep. that's, that's going yep. on. Yep. Yeah. One yeah. of the reasons, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, now the Fed is talking about um, they're going to have to QT, Q tighten, you know, try to get right. rid of, yeah. unload some of this right. $9 trillion. So yeah. I, don't, I don't really understand why, why can't they just, 
hit the delete button. I mean, if they poofed and just created the dollars to buy the billion-dollar treasury, why can't they just delete it and then that's that's how they clear the balance sheet? I mean, what what's what am I missing here? What am I missing here? Well, it's 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 so complicated, but I'm Is trying it? to think of a simple way to say it. I mean, if they if they just deleted, uh, if they well, first of all, so maybe some of your viewers don't know what quantitative easing or quantitative tightening means. I'll try and simplify it. Quantitative easing is a fancy word, a euphemism for for mouse-click money, for money money. printing. (laughs) And and it's not just creating money, it's also keeping interest rates at zero or near zero for years. So the combination of expanding the money supply and keeping the cost of that money, the the interest rates low, Mm is very very uh stimulative yes tapering which is the opposite of easing means uh we're going to let interest rates go up and we're going to buy or print less we're going to print less money when we're talking about today quantitative tapering really isn't they're still going to print more money and i'll tell you why and they're going to raise rates but very small but that puts the fed in a corner and we'll talk about why they don't just cut the debt or stop buying but it's not as simple as that but the fed is in a corner now after really years of drunk driving they've hit a crossroads and that drunk driving is addiction to printed money every every problem can be solved if you print money if you had a money printer in your basement and you had a mortgage payment a tuition payment a car payment who wouldn't be seduced to use it Mm -hmm. well bernanke said it would only be a temporary measure back in 2009 fast forward over a decade later we're totally addicted to it we have unlimited qe so they're talking about tapering they're actually still printing 80 billion a month to buy unwanted ious and they're raising the interest rate by 25 basis points which is a small amount they're projecting to raise more i'll tell you why they won't but the fed is in a corner now because if they're going to print money because if they don't then nobody buys their bonds if nobody buys their bonds bond yields go up because bond prices go down. That's complicated, but they have to print money to keep interest rates low, to keep U.S. Treasury yields low. the, The bid to cover or the street doesn't want all the debt? Well, exactly. Nobody wants these IOUs. And if we don't buy them, if somebody doesn't buy these IOUs, we're defaulting on our IOUs. Then it's game over, right? Yeah. And then we're then we're Argentina, Venezuela, Yugoslavia. <laughs> then we're a third okay. world developing com- country, which in effect we I think can get to. We effectively are. Yeah. We just haven't admitted that to ourselves yet. Okay. So if no one else buys our IOUs, uh, <laughs> then we lose credibility in the world. We're already losing credibility for so many reasons. But so the solution is fine. We'll print money and buy our own. We'll drink our own kool-aid and the fed has put itself in a corner now because if it doesn't print money the stock market tanks the bond market tanks and that's the end of the bubble that we've been enjoying that we've gotten used to that we think could never die so they can't stop printing money but if they if they if they keep printing money then they have inflation right Right. this inflation we talked about it's highly linked to the money supply and yet they need to fight inflation, at least optically. So to fight inflation, they have to raise rates. So it's either print money or raise rates. Either one is a drastic solution. If they go left and print money, we have runaway inflation. If they go right and taper, then the stock market tanks. So it's either an imploding stock market or runaway inflation. It's it's a bad decision either way. The secret at the FOMC or the Fed, and on Wall Street, everyone knows this, is the Fed says they're combating inflation. They want to fight inflation. They want the optics. The politicians want the optics. Powell wants the optics. But the simple fact is, when you're in this much debt, $30 trillion in national debt and $90 trillion in combined household, corporate, and federal debt, when you're in this much debt, 
from ancient Rome to Versailles to Weimar Germany to Yugoslavia, the best way to get out of debt is to inflate it away. Kill your currency, allow inflation, have interest rates um, lower than the inflation rate. That's called fancy lads call that negative real rates right. when when inflation is higher than the interest rate. So you inflate away your debt by allowing um, inflation to be higher than interest rates. It's complicated, but it's simple. It's just inflating away your debt. So Powell won't admit this, but what they're doing is to deliberately allow inflation. They're not even reporting it through the CPI scale accurately. That's a whole other discussion. But they're going to allow higher inflation, which hurts average Main Street Americans, but benefits them to get out of their debt to GDP ratio. So politically, it's the optics of we're reducing our debt, but then they're still using inflation, high inflation to do that. Again, they never report inflation accurately. So you feel it on the street. You feel it at the George Washington Bridge, the tolls. You feel it in your grocery, your gas prices. But this inflation that they're pretending to fight, they're actually welcoming it. It's one way. It's one of the only ways to get out of debt. So how does the higher inflation rate I help them inflate away their debt. I mean, you still have the debt. I, I just, I'm kind of missing a point here. Well, it's when you, when you, when you can, when, when you, when you have higher inflation right. and you have a low interest rate, you have more dollars, but the rates are still repressed enough that it's like you have more dollars that have less purchasing power, but there's more dollars available to pay off your debt. They're inflated, diluted dollars. Right. right. So a hot dog or a Big Mac, which might have cost 50 cents in the 70s, which costs 200 or $4 today, that's inflation. There's more dollars available to pay that hot dog. But if that hot dog's interest rates are still kept repressed, you can inflate or dilute your dollar, create more dollars, but keep the cost of that debt down by repressing interest rates. And, and that, so that means they have inflation at a faster pace than the actual cost of the debt, the, the interest rate. So the inflation rate at 7.9%, but the, the interest rate at 2.5% means you have oh, a negative real rate. That's the original so, uh, price for the hot dog uh, to borrow it. Yeah. It was 2.5%. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah. So they try to keep interest rates as low as they can, mm -hmm. but most importantly, interest rates have to be at a, rising at a rate slower than the actual inflation rate. So you can use more and more diluted dollars to pay a cheaper uh, interest rate, yeah. you know, and it's it's a trick. It's a trick. It's negative real rates to dig themselves out of debt. And the deeper those rates are negative, the faster they can get out of debt. But at the level of debt that the U.S. is in today, at thirty trillion, which is a number which is unfathomable, the simple fact is we're never going to pay that debt down. Never. And we're not even talking about un unfunded liabilities like Social Security or health care or veterans None benefits. Yes. We're never going to be able to pay that. So we're going to have higher, higher in inflation. But the Fed will always do what it does best, which is fork tongue the truth and say, well, we're going to grow our way out of debt or we're going to have higher labor force participation. But those are fancy words. But you know, mathematicians from David Hume to Adam Smith to von Mises in Austria for centuries have said, once your debt to GDP goes above 100%, growth is cut by a third mathematically. So we can't grow our weight of debt. When you have this much debt tied to your ankles, you can't swim to the surface. And, and that's just yeah, a and sad and reality. And even that $30 trillion, to me, it doesn't seem correct. I haven't seen that number move for f four or five years. Are they, they must be cooking the books on that number too, right? I mean... How of course they are. How can you have yeah, all this yeah. all this new stuff yeah. coming out when it's staying the same? It doesn't move really. It stays well, around yeah. twenty nine, thirty trillion, you know. So. Twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, but you know, we take in 
Well, we take in about $4 trillion in, in tax revenues every year. We spend about $7 trillion every year, give or take. And then so we have a deficit of about $3 trillion. That just keeps three? adding and Is adding. Is it three on. on every year they've spent over? Well, it's going, it's in the last couple of years, and I think it's going to be that way for the next few years Whoa. because of COVID, because of wars, because of entitlements, because of all types of fixed costs. And, and whether you're a Republican or a Democrat in office, there's still this, we're spending more than we're earning every year. I think it's very easy. We'll get to 40 or 50 trillion in the next 15 years quite easily in debt and again we want to create more dollars to pay for that because we're not producing anything when our gdp is not growing our debt is growing so we're going to dilute our currency to pay for that and, and of course that has all kinds of implications but um you know the simple fact is most people in america can't afford that inflation that's a hidden invisible yes, tax it's hardcore. and there are people uh, who I think there was some celebrity uh, talk show host the other day, I forget which one, saying, well, I don't mind if gas goes up $2 for my conscience or helping yeah, the Ukraine. I, I've heard that, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's appalling arrogance of the wealthy, but, you know, there are people for $2 more a gallon that affects any profits Huge. they're going to make at their jobs if yeah. they're commuting. So yeah. and, uh, I certainly see that here in Europe, yeah. yeah. Matthew Pippenberg is with us. You can tell he kind of knows his stuff. He's commercial director of Mat Matterhorn Asset Management in Gold, Switzerland. And they sell they sell big chunks of really beautiful gold, right? This is what you guys yeah. to rich people, yeah. right? This is what you do. This is what <laughs> that's you pretty do. much it. Our this clients what you are do for a living. That's, pretty wealthy. We deal with them. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's why we have, as I told you before the show, we have a, a company we work with, so folks can get in for a few thousand bucks and buy, you know, some mm -hmm. St. Gaudens and some gold coins, and that's pretty cool. Great. Uh, uh, Matthew is with us. Um, one one question before the first break. So, this idea of the Federal Reserve Bank since 1913, as Hustis Mullins and, and you know, and, and, and G. Edward Griffin wrote about and write about, mm -hmm. this has been going on for 100 years. I mean, is there any real difference why today is any different than 50 years ago or 10 years ago? As Andrew Goss used to say, well, the only way this thing crashes is if they run out of zeros. And, you know, and I, I always like that because maybe he's right. Maybe they just keep running this baby out until, I don't know, people storm the White House with pitchforks and say, I can't afford, you know, my hot dog anymore. What do you well, think? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's is, exactly that, is right. that where we're at? Well, Patrick, I mean, Henry Ford said if people actually understood how yes. banking systems work, there'd be a revolution in the streets. That is the first and quote in my screenplay that I, that I have. Oh, really? written yeah that's the the, yeah. the number one quote that goes on the screen right before the movie starts if people yeah. understood how the banking system worked there would be revolution before morning yeah. 1902 it, yeah. it's it's an open secret it's misunderstood for many years what's changed now is two things um first of all the federal reserve for many years people didn't know what it was what it did didn't care they just went out with their lives um and I think now what's happening is there's more awareness of what the Federal Reserve really is. Uh -huh. This idea, if it seems too good to be true, it is too good. The idea of printing money out of thin air to solve a problem is obviously has consequences. And I think more and more people are like Henry Ford are starting to figure out what the Fed does or doesn't do. When they Once they understand its origins and once they understand its practices, they realize it's a private bank which is running our federal government, which mm -hmm. is monetizing our federal debt. Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson warned long before Woodrow Wilson, yep. you know, Thomas Jefferson famously said that, 
you know, um, banking I institutions are more, more than standing armies or something. Standing like that. armies. Yeah, that's a great quote. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite. And, and Andrew Jackson was brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's the prostitution of the many for the few, in the sense, it's the prostitution of money mm-hmm. for the many for, of the many for the benefit of the few. And I think more people are catching on to that. And the reason they're catching on to it now, say more than even fifty years ago. Well, one of the reasons is they're feeling it now. They're feeling all those added zeros. They're feeling that inflation. And they've also lost trust in the Fed in particular, I think government in general over the last 10, 15 years. I think it was accelerated by the COVID crisis and accelerated by the inflation because I think people started to lose faith in the narrative. Whatever your views on science or COVID, which is a rabbit hole, I think people saw that it was politicized. Yes. And I also think that they didn't like being forced by mandate how to make their own choices, whatever your choices are. If you want to get the vaccine, that's fine. If you yep. don't, there are reasons for that. But the idea of being told by Big Brother what's best for you or best for the nation to lock down, that created ripple effects in trust, left or right. It yeah. did. Some drank the Kool-Aid, some resisted, but it created ripple effects. Then to be told for years that inflation would be transitory or that it wouldn't come or that will protect you, and then to see it happening, and then to see it misreported, deliberately misreported, there is a growing sense of distrust. And I think what's different today is faith. Faith is changing. Confidence. And that doesn't happen right. over confidence. Yeah. yeah and yeah. uh yeah. That doesn't happen overnight. That's a gradual process. I and you see. can't market, market time the death of faith or the loss of faith. But when things become more expensive, when life becomes more painful, when you no longer believe your elected officials and you no longer trust their policies, whether it's Trudeau you know, penalizing truck drivers or whether it's Biden trying to legally illegally mandate a, a vaccine, which is even the Supreme Court wouldn't let him do, but to act like he could – People left or right, center left or right, are saying, wait, something's wrong here. These people are acting desperately. So that's and, the uh, big difference now, with I think even so. 20 I, years ago. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. The pain the pain is more felt and the distrust is, is rising. There's just no denying that. And I can remember long ago when I was a kid, um, uh, we actually believed Walter Cronkite and mm-hmm. Huntley Brinkley mm-hmm. and the other dudes, you mm-hmm. know? And I remember yeah, when yeah. CNN came on the air and you actually watched it yeah. and believed it. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you just did. It probably wasn't true then, no more than it's true now. But we did believe it. You know, we did believe yeah, it for yeah, a while. There, right? there was a trust. And there, there was an innocence to that trust. I don't I don't laugh at people or you or anyone no, for trusting. No, We're, no. Most of us are honest people and we trust each other. We trusted our government. We trust our elected officials. And I think um, when, but you can have this instinct when you know it's you're, you're being hoodwinked. And I think that's growing now. As desperation grows, as as countries get more broke, they get more desperate. Yeah, yeah. And the media has changed too. I mean, we have five major media networks which are owned by corporate boards. The legacy media is a corporate media. The fourth estate doesn't cover the news, it covers up the news. It was designed by folks like Thomas Jefferson to to put a control on power rather than be complicit with power. So mainstream media no longer does the job of checking power, it's in bed with power. And whether you're left or right, CNN or Fox, you can't always get all the nuances. Although I still think Tucker Carlson does a better job than Don Lemon at trying to at least ask these questions. Right. Um, thank God. But, you know, 
there is a sense that um, the corporate-owned media has become corporate-directed. We used to make fun of Pravda and the Soviet Union for what it didn't talk about. Well, the same thing is true today in the West. It's amazing what is not being discussed on a daily basis. I could care less about Will Smith at the Academy Awards. We need to talk about debt and inflation and why we're in this mess we're in. And yet that's not really being discussed as it should on a daily basis. It should be a headline every day on the Wall Street Journal. How do we pay this debt? We have mortgaged our children's future to pay this debt. We have d diminished our currency, our respect in the world, and we've diminished our power as a country and our credibility as a leader in the world in, in irrevocable ways. And I think it's the end of the U.S. as the world economic power. And I think it's slowly the end of the U.S. dollar as a world reserve currency in the next five years because we don't have the credibility. We don't have the faith. And we don't have the financial power. When you have this much debt, you don't have power. Yes, you no have debt. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that after the break and see what you think. Uh, Matthew mm -hmm. Peibenberg is with us. He lives in southern France, a beautiful part of the world. And, uh, before we break, uh, why do you, why did you pick there? Why, out of all the places you could live anywhere, where, why there? Well, I, I asked my French wife, what's the most beautiful place in the world? And she said, the south of France. Oh, I so see. we bought it. You have a French wife. Well, of course. Of France. No, of yeah. course. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. You, didn't, you left yeah. that part out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a beautiful. Is, is, is the media as uh, out of touch in there in Europe and France as it is in the United States? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, sadly, I think it is becoming more and more it's like so many things in europe it's becoming more and more u.s influenced the ideas of the media the ideas of for-profit legacy medias mm -hmm. um that said the french like you know texans are known to have strong opinions you might love them or hate them the french love to talk about politics so there's a lot more open discourse and great coffee or beer or wine right. conversations about politics in france um but sadly you know as someone who listens to the french media the problem here is the same in the U.S. There, it's a very lopsided view of things. And, and I think good media should give multiple perspectives, not just one primary perspective. That doesn't mean you have to disagree with your own country, but we should see more more nuance. It's, it's just missing yes, today, sir. more so than ever. And as you know, with uh, Trump, uh, the, there was a genesis of all these so-called alternative media places that popped up, remember? Mm -hmm. Well, I yep, look at yep. them, Matthew, and... They're not that alternative. You know, they've all bought yeah. into the COVID thing. They, they don't talk about this kind of stuff. Um, you know, they, they're, none no. of them are covering the Ukraine war like I don't see in what I think is going on. If you go to Saker and some other people we have on, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there's there's not a lot of alternative, too. There's, a you know, there's, what, 20 no, people like you and I, like Mike's show, and that's it. And the whole, no, that's, and the whole world, you know. It's crazy. No, it's appalling. Because yeah. you literally can, you can literally be censored for talking oh, just yeah. openly about questions, yeah. and that, of course, is anti-American in every way. But Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, etc., have gone. more power than the First Amendment, and that's un-American. That's not woke. That's not uh, <laughs> evolution. That's a devolution. That's a sleep. Anyone, and I, you know, you should not be ashamed to express anything. And I know that, and this maybe will be seem extreme. But I remember when I was. A young lawyer, I had to go down in uh, Palm Beach, and the Ku Klux Klan was marching. Now, I'm not a proponent of the Ku Klux Klan, but what made America great is they could march. You could allow them to march, yeah. and you could allow Martin, you know, Mother Teresa to speak and Martin Luther King to speak and the Klan because that's what America stood for. If, if someone wants to make a stupid argument about racism, let them make it. 
that means that we're a great country because we're not afraid of it. Hmm. And they can make fools of themselves or they can do whatever they want, but we allow them to speak. The moment you think you have the right to tell someone not to speak, whether you agree with it or not, is a, is a very dangerous time. And it's like that famous quote, but I don't care if, I'll, I'll, I don't care what you say. I may not agree with it, but I'll fight to the death your right to say it. I think we should not be so afraid of anyone's opinion, even if it's insane. Because if it's insane, people will see through it by, by intelligence sure. and by open discourse. But the idea that government knows better what's safe for you and the idea that not taking a vaccine is insane, well, that's not true. It's not insane. There's massive amounts of room of evidence to at least debate that question. You don't have to agree, but you should never be forced uh, to take a vaccine or not take a vaccine, nor, nor, nor censor anyone at all, period. That's my view. Right. Whether, again, whether it's Mother Teresa or, frankly, Mein Kampf, it has a right to be written. Doesn't mean you have the right to agree with it. Doesn't mean you have the right to like it. But you have to have everyone's voice because the dumber voices will fall on their own. People will see through that. But when you censor voices, that's very dangerous. Very dangerous. I'm in Facebook jail. Every time you turn around, they throw me in jail for yeah. two weeks. You know, just for you know going against yeah. you know something about the vaccine. You can't even use well, the term. I don't even. You can't even use it. I mean, you just go. We do like V A C I uh, hyphen yeah, uh, yeah. exclamation yeah. point. I mean, you know. Otherwise, they just throw you off. You well, know. you mentioned Harvard. I'll tell you, I was I was there when Zuckerberg was at Harvard, and I knew a lot of Were friends who really? competed with Zucker and uh, in grad school when he was there. I mean, I know I, I was older. Um, and I knew some friends of mine who were, who were in that movie. Uh, I'll tell you, Zuckerberg, and I'll say it openly because it's, it's an opinion, not a fact, but the irony of that individual being the standard for social interaction is, is the height of irony. Because, and yet, a person with his psychological profile being the, the, the standard for social interaction, I think, is the height of irony because he really wasn't the exactly the poster child of social maturity or social interaction or psychological maturity. And yet, the power he has or his platform has to decide what's acceptable uh, uh, versus what is not is, uh, is, is really giving the keys to the insane asylum to the insane, um, in, my pretty, opinion, in my opinion. Yeah, pretty strange. Yeah. Was that, did you yeah. think that movie was pretty accurate uh, in, in a lot of good. ways yes in a lot of ways yes you know in a lot of ways yes um hmm. you know it uh we're talking about social the, network it's a great movie if you want to watch it social yeah, network yeah, yeah. In, in a lot of ways yes yeah i think yeah. it was quite accurate in some ways okay yeah. uh, matthew we're going to take a little break here and you can have a cup of tea or a piece of cheese that's what mm -hmm. you have in southern france right you have a piece of cheese right? cheese wine cheese, tea, cheese argentinian cheese, yeah no. green tea okay and uh, this uh, yeah. this product here is still on sale this is our last day i think uh, is it? I think, well, uh, tomorrow night, midnight, and the colostrum will go off stale. So get some today. Check this out. For my first meal of the day, I like to make a blended drink, and I'm always basing my blended drinks around colostrum. Colostrum adds so much creamy flavor and texture that if you don't have it, smoothies start to seem a little bit watery to me. Now I'm going to be combining it with a bunch of other ingredients, but it really is the all-star. Colostrum has so many health benefits. Probably it's best known for its effects on the immune system. There's actually an article in PubMed showing colostrum to be three times more effective against flu and flu symptoms than flu vaccines are even in high-risk patients. It's incredible for fighting flu and other viral type infections. 
It's also really good for building lean muscle mass. In fact, it contains all 89 of the known mammalian growth factors. It's also very good for the gut lining. So people who suffer from things like Crohn's, IBS, uh, leaky gut syndrome, a lot of those folks are using colostrum in the regenerative process to heal and restore their gut lining. And one of the things I love about it is that it's a complete food. So colostrum contains everything a mammal needs to thrive. It contains all of the essential amino acids. It contains all of the essential lipids or fats. It contains all of the essential glyconutrients. Those are essential sugars that we need for our immune function. So it's got all of that and all those growth factors, which means this is really a complete food for human beings or for any other mammals. tastes great. It's got the fuel I need to get through the day, and it's got all those added health benefits thanks to the colostrum. I'm kind of living on colostrum now, so I, th I like it a lot, and they have th three new flavors. <laughs> I don't know. Food is just not working well for me. Regular food. Uh, they have chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, and then the original. So check it out. 20% uh, um, discount right now. Use promo code RESTORE20. R-E-S-T-O-R-E 20. 20% discount. That'll be through tomorrow night. I guess that's, what, Thursday night? At uh, midnight, April 1st is, uh, yeah, Friday. So uh, check it out. If you've not tried it, this would be a great time to try Previously, it. Previously, we talked with Brandon Amalani about his Blue Shield product to protect against EMFs in your home. The, the more connected we are, the more electromagnetic radiation we're going to have. So years ago, I'd play with Q-Links and just anything I can get my hands on that whether I felt it working or not, I just wanted some kind of leverage against sure. electromagnetic radiation in those frequencies and how they affect the cellular biology. But then when I met Mark and started really getting deep to his technology and really looking at the microprocessing technology, I've never found any, any EMF company that would not only to test on not only human blood and urine analysis, but also on animals, which totally weeds out the idea of placebo effect. I mean, the fact that you can plug these devices into a chicken farm, a factory farm for about 15,000 laying hens and all of a sudden, the mortality rate, which is averages from 60 to 150 deaths per month, goes down to zero. I mean, it's pretty profound that a, a little device, a little energy device, could actually like create such a harmony and balance within the, the environment to where claustrophobic chickens that are crammed in together actually get along better and actually feel better. And, and oh. the, the, you know, the biological markers are improved over that one-year study. There's quite a bit of science with this Blue Shield product. You can see the ad on the front page. Promo code one radio will get you a ten percent discount. This works on the cells in the body. Very cool technology. Front page Blue Shield, OneRadioNetwork.com. We have a couple of them here. We don't believe in uh, the five G thing. We just think it's all a big hoax and don't worry about it. But uh, to help you get stay stronger while you're dealing with the spiritual aspects of it, because I, you know me, I just think we can just change our genes just because we want to. But I'm crazy, so don't listen to me. But these are neat. You can have them in your in your home. They go at ninety yards, and I have two. So hey, I, you know, I trust in God and I tie my camel because we're just learning how to how to really protect ourselves spiritually. And we're learning a lot. Anyway, uh, check it out. I think it's a great, great value. Uh, goes out 90 yards. You can protect your dogs and cats and guinea pigs and things like that. A little little plug here for this microalgae. Then we'll go back with um, to Matthew, talk about good stuff. Uh, this is a microalgae. There are four different kinds of spirulina in this, this product. And we've known about this product forever, a long time. 
we've just started now to uh, promote it again. They had a changes in the company and stuff. And, uh, uh, well, it's, it's a long story. But anyway, and uh, these are made in a bioreactor uh, that they get uh, water about 1,200 feet. And then it's in a bioreactor, so there's no pollution. And this was started by the Russian government years ago with the Dr. Michael Kiriak because they wanted to create the superfood so they could give to their Olympic people so they could win more gold medals and live longer. Because, you know, the Russians are in the, you know, look at Putin. He thinks he's going to live to 112. He probably will. So there you have it. Uh, this is great. You can uh, uh, get some of these on our website. Bio superfood, these algae. You could live on this and colostrum and hydrogen and you wouldn't eat, you know, who cares? We have a food shortage. Well, we got, we got this stuff. Oh, God. Something else to think about. There's a lot of stuff about food shortages in these days. Well, anyway, the BioAge on our website, oneradionetwork.com. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is oneradionetwork.com. So, uh, Matthew, uh, what's it going to be next? I mean, you know, aliens or food shortage or, (laughs) I mean, come on, what what else? You know, Omicron 12, you know, 2.0. These people are crazy, man. You don't know what they're going to do. No wonder you want to buy gold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many areas to talk about. The area I have the most expertise in is just, um, and it's probably not the most important thing. And my, my partner, Egon von Greyers, and I talk about this all the time. We, we deal with very wealthy clients, and they're very good clients, and we have good people on our team and good people in our circle. But at the end of the day, you know, the best things in life don't really cost money. It's connection. It's human connection. It's a spiritual awareness. It's the value of your time with your family, your horses, your dog, your guinea pig, as you say, anything. It's, yeah. These things are ultimately free. We have to always keep that in mind. But in terms of the expertise that we have, the professional side, which maybe seems boring, what we look at are currencies and dollars. And whether we like it or not, all of us need to pay the rent, so to speak, or you know, survive financially, whether you're whatever spectrum you are on that financial curve from middle class to, to lower class to upper class, there's still a need to survive. And there's a, a limit to how much anyone needs, but the dollar in your wallet matters to everyone. And so um, that's something we watch very carefully, the strength of your economy, the strength of your currency, and the strength of the warnings that are out there. What What is woefully apparent now in the mainstream media or the financial media is a lack of transparency about the consequences how, of decades how it works how it all, i'm losing you again on your right side matthew i'm losing you again on your right oh, side oh sorry should okay. i come this way or yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. good so an yeah. email yeah. just came in and i had this one on my list but i'll ask it the way they did if putin is successful mm-hmm. in getting paid only in rubles or gold will that increase mm-hmm. the value of the ruble stop all some of the derivatives and return gas to two dollars so let's dig in a little bit first off let's get to that but first off now if i understand it old vlad is saying okay if you guys want my weed and my natural gas and my and my uh, oil and all my other stuff i've got my minerals and my mail order brides you got to oh, excuse me now you got to do gold or bitcoin yeah. or what else did he say? Right. Uh, gold or Bitcoin, right? No. Yeah, or his own currency. Or, or rubles, not sorry. sorry. Okay. Yeah, rubles. Yeah, so, yeah. so what's that going to do to the, the dollar and the ruble, in your opinion? 
I mean, a dollar no, and I, gold, and dollar and gold yeah. price. Well, it has it has massive implications. It? It's a it's a great question. I mean, you have to understand that long before the Ukraine, China and Russia have been looking to de-dollarize. Yes, and whether you know we have what's called the petrodollar since the 70s ever since nixon welched on the gold standard and the and the u.s dollar was no longer backed by a chaperone like gold to keep it from being overprinted because you couldn't print dollars unless you had enough gold to back those dollars so it kept you from getting he kind of drunk with a money printer yeah. well nixon did more dollars didn't have enough gold so he did what all politicians did he, he did what was best for him and so he decoupled from the gold standard but within a few years of the gold standard dying the petrodollar was born and the petrodollar meant that any oil bought anywhere had to be paid for in dollars if you're in yugoslavia venezuela or you're in argentina or you're in france or germany or texas you're buying oil in in dollars mm -hmm. well obviously that's a little unfair but America had the power to do that, negotiate that with Saudi Arabia in the 70s. American credibility now is not the same, but China and Russia knew that was nonsense. That was unfair. They were calling BS on that for years. What's happened without getting into the pros and cons of the war in the Ukraine or the different views on that, regardless of your views on that, the, the bottom line is now because of this war and because of the sanctions that the West, I think, didn't think through, it uh, it forced Russia now to go deeper into the arms of China, and it forced Russia and China to think more long term as a chess player would, which is what Putin is. I mm -hmm. think Biden and other administrative officials like Camilla are checkers players, not chess players, and the West in general. Well, for many, many years, uh, Russia and China have been signaling a need to get off the dollar as the global reserve currency or the dollar for the petrodollar. And what's happening at rapid speed right now is that there are major changes. And, and to your, your, your viewer's question, I'll get to that, but there are major changes happening right now because hmm. when the West punished Russia financially, because they can't punish them militarily in a nuclear age, this isn't Iraq or Syria or Afghanistan or Libya, this is Russia, they have nuclear weapons, so we can't just start bombing. And so we tried to flex our muscles financially. The, what, what the West is admitting is we don't have a lot of muscle to flex there. Uh, we'll get into the details of that, but so one way we could flex the muscles was to freeze uh, Russian assets overseas and their FX reserves, uh, take them off the what's called the SWIFT standard, which means any money transfers, wires internationally, which are done in U.S. dollars, like the petrodollar. They have to be, they have to be done in U.S. dollars, any financial transactions. And then uh, Russians access to IMF, SDR reserves, baskets of dollars. Long and short, we punished Russia for what they did financially. So Russia's reaction was to be expected. And it was, okay, fine. Uh, we have a lot of money in reserve. We have less debt than you. And the West needs our oil. So we're going to flex our muscles too. And by flexing, we're saying if you want to buy our oil and gas, it has to be in rubles or gold and not U.S. dollars. And Saudi Arabia is now in conversations with China mm -hmm. to sell oil now in yuan, not dollars. China is obviously a big buyer of oil. Yeah. So if it's no longer being bought in dollars, it's being bought in yuan. That takes away demand for dollars. That makes the dollar's purchasing power and reputation weaker, to answer your, your viewer's question. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a very slow process, but it is a seismic shift in the dollar's role internationally and wow. in the West's reputation internationally. It's a seismic shift. That should be a headline, not, again, Will Smith hitting Chris Rock. 
These are the kind of things that really do matter to Americans, but the media, of course, is ignoring this. The Fed is ignoring this. I will say that Barack Obama warned in 2015, we were trying to flex our muscles with Syria and China, he says, we cannot punish countries like China the way we punish countries like Iran or Venezuela. They're too big. It's mutually assured destruction. You can't freeze their assets. You can't take them off the system. We need each other. But what Biden and Harris and the West just did in the last few weeks was it was actually the opposite of what, what Obama, Barack Obama warned. And it's the opposite of what even bankers like Jimmy Diamond or have said. You can't play games with the SWIFT system, the transfer system, or the uh, the petrodollar because Russia and indirectly China and other countries, I know Arab states now are in conversations with France and China and uh, India and uh, other, other nations to buy oil in non-US dollar denominated wow. currencies. So again, this is happening in real time. This mm-hmm. isn't sensationalism. This mm-hmm. isn't gloom and doom. Yeah. These are reactions because other countries are looking at what the West just did to Russia, freezing their assets. Like if your bank account was frozen, you wouldn't recommend that bank. Other non-bad actor states, including China, are raising their eyebrows and saying, I don't know if I trust that Western system anymore. And the truth is, this is falling right into the hands of what Russia and China always wanted anyway. They wanted a pretext to get off this dollar wagon train. And they're doing it. They're doing it right now. And that will have huge impact on the dollar. And that will create more inflation and hurt that viewer more. (laughs) We can remember the day when, I mean, uh, Saddam would just think about uh, uh, selling his oil for you know a gold back dinar yeah. or something or, or Gaddafi, and they'd roll right in and just wipe them out man now well literally yeah literally yeah. wipe them, literally kill them as you know um yeah but now they yeah. just don't have the juice to do it huh they just don't have no it. you can't you can't pick on russia or indirectly and china directly the way you could even on iraq yeah. or iran or, or libya yeah. i mean these we were Whatever your views, bully or not, we were we had power over countries like that. We don't have power over nuclear company, countries like that. And um, you know, again, it's uh, the hypocrisy of the West being aghast at what 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 Putin did. I'm not pro Putin. I'm not pro no, communist. For God's yeah. sakes. But I think I think for eight years Putin warned the world that we don't want yeah. NATO and he Ukraine said, together. Just, we just don't want NATO, and he did. I yeah. mean, that's on, that's on record. It was on record. So, so Matthew, these people who are controlling Biden, God knows who they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, they've got to know this was going to happen. So, what do you think their their long term thing is? Do they just? I mean, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I, I, mean, I definitely, I definitely believe Biden and Harris are, are figureheads and that they're not decision makers. I'm not even sure though that the 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 haze that's behind their cabinet or wherever the real pulse of power is thought this one out fully really? i think <laughs> they the, just did dumb stuff the, and the didn't need, know it. <laughs> i think it was very short-sighted i don't think there's enough uh, understanding of history and and economics even among the dark state if you want to call it to mm-hmm. realize what they've just done to themselves really because hmm. i really think this was myopic i think they wanted to make uh russia bleed so to speak financially and bleed militarily and get caught in something and 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 use that to puff their chests and look more morally woke although again given the body count that americans have left all over the middle east and afghanistan i don't think that we have a right to be any less or more moral than anyone else but 
Um, <laughs> and that's not a disparagement of our military brothers and sisters, because I know many of them and I'm 100% behind them. I'm not behind the leadership that put them in places for the wrong reasons. But what I will say is, I think there was a hope that Russia would lose face the media was out in full bore to make Putin look bad, and in some ways he deserves that. But in other ways, they didn't think about the consequences longer term. That, that, that I really can't believe they didn't, but it makes no sense because the West is not benefiting financially from this. And the West wanted more of a globalized single currency world. Now we're going into a multi-currency world. I think one thing that might happen is the IMF will convene an emergency post-COVID, post-Ukraine. They'll blame all the debt and all the extravagant money printing and all the reckless drunk driving for decades at central banks around the world. They'll blame the inflation and the debt on things like COVID in the Ukraine to excuse a, a, a global reset where we'll have central bank digital currencies like an E-yen, an E-dollar, an E-euro. And they'll use this crisis to justify that. When I want, want all your viewers and listeners to know, don't be hoodwinked. The, the reason we're in this mess is 50 years of incredibly poor policy from our central yes, banks, sir. incredibly mismanaged uh, policy from the White House. But too. even if you create a central bank digital currency, and I think Martin Armstrong was on yesterday, and he mentioned that they, somebody put in a bill called eCash or something where the Treasury would yep. actually bypass the mm -hmm. Fed. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. You know, not bombing yeah. the White yeah. House, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. The Dollar Inc. boys, I don't know how they, they're going to put up with that. But yeah. anyway, um, you could just, all that does is make it slicker and faster and more transparent, Matthew. Would these digital currencies be congruent or in, in parallel with the Federal Reserve note? Well, I think it's. I think what, the bottom line what's is. What's that going to do this, for things? I don't understand. Simply put, it's lipstick on a pig. It's is the it? same band, different music. It's still a new fiat currency. It's right. not a gold-backed currency. It's a digital currency. Uh, what it really means is they're going to create more debt and they're going to create more digital central bank digital currencies, which won't be Bitcoin or Ethereum. Right. By the way, they'll right. be the same separate. blockchain technology, yeah, yeah. but they'll be separate what what is advantageous to the powers that be is that gives them more centralized control over your lives your accounts your money because if you have a central bank digital currency or an e-dollar or an e1 you're at the mercy of those centralized dollars centralized currencies so if you write the wrong article or or go to the wrong event or say the wrong thing, they can click a switch and your access to capital is gone. That may seem dark, but what it means is just more oligarchical centralized control. We have a central bank that is centralizing our economy right now. Mm -hmm. But if you add in a central bank digital currency, that's more power to the foxes guarding the international henhouse, so to speak. So in that way, it's very dark. They'll 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 whitewash it as something revolutionary, modern economic reform, uh, necessary reset for the global crisis that we're in that's blamed on COVID. But this existed long before COVID and long before Ukraine. It will create a pretext, and the IMF is already telegraphing that this is a necessary trick. But it's a necessary solution, but it's just a trick. It's just a trick for them to have more control. And this is part of where history and economics overlap. If you go back to ancient Rome or you go back to 18th century France or you go back to 1933 Germany, whenever a country finds itself in a debt corner, which it can't get out of, 
it becomes more autocratic, more centralized, more controlling, mm. less democratic. Mm -hmm. And this central bank digital currency is an example of that, in my opinion. So, so do you think then when this uh, launches, anybody that wants to chooses to use it, um, it would run together like you'd go into Starbucks and you could either do a, cent a central bank digital currency or an e maybe even a treasury one and dollars too mm -hmm. and it would have to cuz you right. got 40 trillion bucks out there what do you, you got you can't just ditch the dollar right i mean no they're going <laughs> to they're going to back it with a new kind of collateral but it'll be a, it'll be a it'll be a an electronic collateral not a physical commodity right. like gold or silver right. i right. still think gold and silver will have it we'll get into that i think gold will have a role in that it will be forced upon you you won't you will literally like with an iphone you'll buy your cent you'll buy your coffee with your e euro your e dollar with just a swap of a swipe of a of but a, not of with a federal reserve note you could they're gonna it won't it, it'll it'll still have the backing and full faith in some kind of ratio based on the strength of the federal reserve or the u.s government or the french government or the european union they'll still try to collateralize it with something hmm. understand it if they tried to put gold as the as the standard today with the supply of gold in the world you can't, if you took the m can't even get you can't there. do it you can't do it you can't It'd be do like a hundred thousand dollars an ounce or something i think we did the math think, with someone time yeah. about a hundred thousand dollars an ounce of gold I, yeah not good yeah not I, good. I think it's i think if you did 40 percent of the m2 money supply just 40 percent right now it would put gold at forty thousand an yeah. ounce right now there you go yeah. so they're gonna have to figure out a way to uh fix the hard asset collateral i think gold will play a part i'm hoping it will i think it will but the financial system wants to change and by the way this transition from a a, a federal reserve note to a central bank digital currency won't happen overnight and it won't be orderly and so there will be a lot of pain between now and then. You can then. be sure of that if the government's involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be orderly be, for sure. It won't be but orderly. Again, what no. about these 40 trillion? I mean, you're a hedge fund guy and all of these loans and, and derivatives mm -hmm. and pension funds mm -hmm. and stocks and bonds, everything in Federal Reserve notes. How, mm -hmm. I mean, they got to be, this going to be around for a long time, these Federal Reserve notes, no matter what the central banks do, right? I mean, don't they have oh, to? I think. How would you? I mean, the, how would you trade that is or a, something? You. That is a. That is a. That would take. I mean, I'm not trying to dodge the question. The derivative markets are a separate, almost hours and hours of discussion. I've written a lot about right? them. Yeah. It's just in a nutshell. Derivatives are just a casino of leverage where you can leverage, for example, in the gold market, you can have a contract for a bar of gold. Uh, but you can have 400 counterparties to that one contract. So if there's no actual delivery, it's just leverage. Right. There's a massive amount of paper trading that doesn't have anything to do with the actual asset collateral. You're so far from the plow of the underlying asset. It's levered, levered, levered. So there's no actual delivery. It's just a musical chairs that keeps playing forever and ever. The music never stops. When the music stops, <laughs> as it did in 2008, when, the music stops, right? when there's counterparty risk, when that levered contract where a person borrowed uh, a lot of money and can't meet the contract delivery and that will eventually happen at some point and again mm -hmm. it, it's hard to describe without a chart or a flow through but <laughs> if if i want to borrow money for a car and i have five bucks and the car is worth fifty thousand and i want to go out and borrow fifty thousand to get that car 
Meanwhile, that car has been promised to 400 other counterparties and the idea that it'll just keep being exchanged and traded. No one will actually take delivery. But if, um, if I'm the owner of that car and the person who just levered themselves to the hill to buy that car comes to get it, and I said, well, I've already contracted out to three other parties, there's counterparty risk. Somebody doesn't get what they want. Something blows up. Yeah. Again, I'm trying to simplify, no, I- but it's the same thing with, with paper assets, paper gold, paper commodities, paper pork bellies, paper anything. It's been levered. The COMEX market is so distorted from the, the days in the 1914 where it was just for farmers to fix prices on wheat and corn and pork so they wouldn't get screwed if there was a bad weather event. Well, guys like Leo Malamed and young Alan Greenspan and Milton Friedman came in and allowed leverage, allowed leverage. So instead of being a farmer's market to help farmers, it became a Wall Street casino. And then you had guys like Larry Summers deregulate that market even more. And I remember Larry Summers was the president of Harvard. He said, don't worry, the derivatives market is safe. It's nah, either, it's these good. are run by smart people. And there was a woman at the CFTC at the Commodities Trading Board who said, she was from Stanford, a woman named Brooks Lee Bourne, who said, actually, I think that you're wrong. And he called up Brooks Lee Bourne at her office at the CFTC with a bunch of bankers and threatened her that she was going to ruin the system. And then 10 years later, that derivative market and the subprime market caused the entire financial system to blow up. Because it was totally unregulated, totally overlevered. Again, I'm I'm, I'm painting in broad strokes here, but Brooksley Bourne was right. Larry Summers was wrong. It cost Harvard billions of dollars. It cost the world trillions of dollars because there was counterparty risk in those derivatives. You can't have 50 people fighting for the same piece of paper, all of whom are levered. At some point, one of those parties is going to run out of money and can't take delivery, and the market implodes. The derivatives market is beyond valuation. It's beyond it. We're talking quadrillions of yeah, risk. Quadrillions. It's a it's a ticking time bomb. And again, to try and explain it is hard. I've written about it. It's called Comex Insanity. It's on SignalsMatter.com. And I've written another one at, uh, at Gold Switzerland on the Comex markets. I'd, I'd ask people to read it. They'd, they'd be blown away when they saw the amount of leverage. Um, and the amount of intervention by a few well-capitalized banks to control that market. So those banks are... Yeah. Excuse me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but signalsmatter.com, you can read some of your articles. Signals, plural. Signalsmatter.com has an article called Comics Insanity, and Gold Switzerland, too. If you look on my all publications, you can read about the comics market on both. I think it's important for people to see how grotesque the comics market is, the derivatives market is. Um, there's an article I wrote called Fed Fraud on the on, on what Larry Summers did to the derivatives market. It's unconscionable. And he's still considered a hero. I mean, he was the president of Harvard. He had board seats all over Wall Street. He still gets to write intros to Ray Dalio's book, but he was the patient zero of the derivatives deregulation disaster. And I think let's cut to the chase and call a duck a duck. That was a disaster. And uh, it's like it's just like anything else. It's like the Federal Reserve. Once you see how the sausage is made, you really become woke on, uh, I hate yeah. to use that word woke, but you become aware of uh, just how distorted it really is. So big picture with everything that we've that I've learned over 25 years with my mentor, Andrew, who's no mm-hmm. longer here, um, and guys like you, and we talk with Tom Luongo, I mean, there has to be a good argument for gold and silver um, to, to rise in the next two, three, four, five mm-hmm. years. I mean, they're just, mm-hmm. you almost have mm-hmm. to, not even be paying attention mm-hmm. to think that's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Right, the price well, of these, two the, things. the spot price. So yeah. what I'd like to know is, do you think there'll be a day, Matthew, when the people whoever, you know, that hold this uh, spot price down of gold and silver, which as you know, they've done for years, uh, mm-hmm. will, will um, be taken off? 
that lever, and then mm-hmm. we'll see gold uh, three, four, five thousand. I mean, someday. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me preface this by one thing. I'm I am an executive at a very large private gold brokering yes. and storage and vaulting facility, so yes, my views are very biased. Okay. That said, I'm a voluntary member <laughs> of that organization, an investor in that organization, and so my views are very honest. These are my views, but I I have a bias towards gold. Uh, let me say a couple things about this, though. Um, the comics market in the gold trade, yes, it's an open secret on Wall Street that uh, that market, which has thousands and thousands of long contracts every day, in other words, buyers of gold, which should be pushing the price of gold to the moon, despite the thousands of contracts going long, you have about eight commercial banks or private institutions in the BIS bullion banks that while the rest of the world is going long gold, they using leverage and borrowed money, which only they have those kind of values of money, they use that leverage to short the gold and silver market to push the price down. So it's open fraud. It's legalized price wow. fixing. That's just a fact. Everyone knows That's that. That's how they do it. That it's would be f- the plunge protection team or whatever you want to call them, right? Yes. The uh, capital yep. market open committee thing. So is yep. everybody's yep. out there saying, well, I think gold's going to go up, so I'll buy a contract. and you They'll know, short it. They'll, they'll short, short it, short it, short it. And they just keep the price down. That's what they do. They keep a permanent boot to the neck of the gold price uh, to some extent. And silver, extent. too. And silver, right? And silver. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And the first question is why? Why do they do that? Why are they so afraid of gold rising? And every central banker who's not on camera will tell you why. Because when gold <laughs> rises, it's it's proof that their policies, since their horrific non, uh, since their horrific origins, they're not so immaculately conceived origins. As gold rises, it proves that central bank currencies are worthless; mm-hmm. that they're a joke. Yeah. It's an embarrassment to the dollar if gold goes to five thousand tomorrow. That means that they've failed in their policies. So they have the power and the will every day to control the gold price. And so for gold investors, you'd say, well, why would I buy gold then? If it's not you don't want go an up, enemy. Right? If up. you don't want an enemy like that, that's too big of an enemy. And what we're saying is two things. Despite um, <clears throat> the comics and the uh, control uh, by the big banks over the gold price, it's like anything that's fraudulent throughout history, it always fails. It will fail. Will it fail tomorrow? We don't know. What's interesting, going back to the Ukraine, mm-hmm. when countries like Russia and China leave that system, and they're now in an open market where gold is being traded for gas or gold is being traded for wheat or gold is being traded for oil. As that slowly unwinds, the comics market becomes less and less important. And the open market, uh. something we haven't seen, free market prices, we haven't seen in decades, is slowly rearing its head. But even notwithstanding those massive changes which are happening in real time right now, by the way, the U.S. Treasury, when it's made a list of sanctions against Russia, had a whole section on gold. They're terrified of gold being deregulated, openly traded, really? and not controlled by the comics. Because again, it's out of their control. So hmm. there's my first answer yeah. is the comics market, like any fraudulent market, is not immortal. Everything that is rotten eventually spoils. But that may not be a good enough answer to people that are trading gold. The second answer is the world is changing. The third most important answer is even regardless of what the comics does to the gold price in dollars, you don't measure gold's value by discredited dollars or euros or yuan or yen or pesos. What is important about gold, it, it won't be a world reserve currency because there's not enough, it would cost too much. Fair, yeah, yeah. 
not it's not enough there. It's a fixed asset. It's more of a fixed asset, and frankly, than Bitcoin. But I'm saying, what will probably happen? What I think is going to happen is it is already happening. Ever since Nixon, um, I don't look at gold whether it goes to five thousand or ten thousand or three thousand tomorrow. I, don't, I look at gold because it's already made me a fortune because the dollar has been getting weaker every day since mm. I bought it. Mm. The mm. price may be manipulated, but the a gram of <laughs> when measured against a milligram of gold, and there are charts on this, and I'm sure your other guests have talked about yeah. this, the purchasing power of the major currencies has gone down by over 95% since yes. 1971. Yes. So a milligram of gold is still stronger. Than a, than a dollar or a euro or a yuan or a yen or a it peso. It just hasn't gone down. Oh. Yes, it hasn't gone down 95% like like the Fed like has. The currencies. Yeah. The currencies, yeah. right. So wow. I, I, no matter what gold does in price, I know it will always be stronger. It'll always be, It'll stronger. Always be stronger. And I can, yeah. Yeah, I can convert that gold into a Canadian dollar, an Australian dollar, a US dollar, whatever the value of the dollar is at that point, however debased it is. But many people will say, but yeah, but I can't take a gold bar and buy groceries. And that's true. That's true. And that is the hard part. And so that's why, you know, those who can't afford million dollar asset allocations to physical gold in a vault in Switzerland, you can still buy coins and you still can buy small ounce or small gram bars. Again, you just have to be very prudent and careful where and how you're buying them at what premiums and what's the fineness and quality of those metals. But gold has always been uh, insurance against debased currencies and discredited financial systems always from always. ancient Rome always, always. Yeah. it's no different today and there's no surprise either from Goldman Sachs to my opinion onward that there's a reason why central banks are buying more gold this year than any other time in history there's a reason why retail demand for ETF gold is higher than, than last year there's a reason why demand for physical gold by countries like China and India are higher than ever so gold is not a barbarous relic or a pet rock that you throw on the ground and is useless like Warren Buffett would say of course Warren Buffett would say that I, I love Warren Buffett for a lot of things but he's completely wrong on the <laughs> macros he's completely wrong on gold in my opinion and he's brilliant and he's a far better value investor than me but he doesn't he's not he's not without fault and he he has other reasons for not uh, pushing gold and other reasons for pushing the markets. But his bias aside, uh, if gold was truly a barbarous relic, central banks wouldn't be buying it uh, and, 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 and countries wouldn't be buying physical gold. And even despite the open manipulation on the comics of the price, individual investors wouldn't be looking at it. As faith in your government, as faith in your currency, as faith in your policymakers dwanes, gold prices rise because gold despite everything else historical as a monetary metal is an emotional investment but i never looked at gold as a speculative asset i never said i want to buy it for 15 and sell at 18 or buy at 18 and sell at 2500 mm -hmm. i just looked at it as look the purchasing power of the currency in my wallet is getting weaker every day gold throughout time always stays okay. the same i measure gold in grams and ounces not dollars and euros there's an old saying of uh if you live and die by the price of gold you'll Live and die by the price of gold, right? It's I like yeah. I like that one. Yeah. So the idea yeah. would be, uh, say I have uh, five million bucks. I just told a screenplay to uh, Oliver Stone, and uh, I go to you mm -hmm. and I say, "Give me five million dollars worth of gold bars." And uh, mm -hmm. uh, what mm -hmm. would be the what would be the end game there? To you know, mm -hmm. go out. I go out mm -hmm. in the woods and you know, get married, and have some babies, and then. Ten years from now, you might need some cash. You'd sell one of them. I mean, how, what, is that the right. deal? Is that what you do? 
Yeah. I, to your point, I look at gold as fire insurance for a house that's already on fire, uh-huh. right? Like a credit default swap was during the subprime crisis. You know, when you're getting free credit CDS paper for already defaulting mortgage bonds. Uh-huh. I look at gold as the same thing in terms of currencies. It's like a house on a river, the, the water's rising. You buy gold as insurance against that flood. So if you, using your example, first of all, if you had five million, I would never say to put all five million into one asset. Because do I don't believe in, yeah. I, even Egon would probably laugh at me, but I don't believe in concentration risk and everything. I don't have that much faith in any asset because <laughs> you never know. Mm-hmm. But let's say you had five million, you put two and a half million or two million into physical gold, and you stored it in a vault somewhere. In a group like ours, that two million is in a safe vault, as safe as can be. We think it's right out of a James Bond movie. But that, so then, ten years from now, you wanted to buy a house with your wife somewhere, someplace in the world. Mm-hmm. What's beautiful about gold and the way we manage it, and other companies like us do the same thing. Even a commercial bank does it. We're just far better than a commercial bank. But let's say that two million in gold is now worth, you know, you bought it for two million dollars in my opinion, because of the purchasing part of the dollar, that'll probably be worth $3 million in a few years or $3.5 or more, million. Or more. Or Come more. Uh, the beauty of gold is, if let's say you want to buy a house for 500000 you don't have to take out all your gold. You just call us. We'll take out $500 worth of that gold, sell it, flip it. Wire you the money. If you wanted to buy that house in Canada, we wire it to you in Canadian dollars. If you wanted to buy it in the south of France, we wire it to you in euros. If you wanted to buy it in Sweden, hmm. we'd give it to you in kroners. Well, so whatever that. the whatever the floating rate is of those currencies, your gold is permanent. The other currencies bounce all over the place. But the currencies are always getting weaker and weaker. Gold just sits there and stares and laughs at those currencies, especially today. But but then, too, the $500,000 house is going to be going up, too. So you're always, that too, you're always playing that game, yeah. right? You're always playing. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless uh, people would take gold for the house. You wouldn't have to even go well, to a currency. You know, there, I mean, there certainly would be. Yeah, there's a group called Monetary Metals out in Arizona. They they, they just deal in transactions only in gold. They lend against gold. They pay you back in gold. It's only gold. These are these things are creeping up responses to this lack of faith in paper fiat money. And again, it's the same thing that's happening in the national scene now. Is as Russia is taking gold for natural gas. Right. People want money that they believe in. And whether that was fourteen, you know, you know, fourteen hundred or one thousand four hundred A.D. in Rome, or whether that was in nineteen thirty-three Germany or Yugoslavia in the nineties, we have a story in our book that we're writing right now about a, a restaurant owner we met in uh, Egon met in, in in Switzerland who had just left Yugoslavia after massive inflation there, and the only reason he was able to get out of inflate out of Yugoslavia is because he had bought a little bit of gold, yeah. and he was lecturing Egon about the importance of owning gold, and, and Egon was just laughing because oh, well, trust me, we know about gold, but you're right. All things will inflate. Gold is an inflation hedge and inflation insurance. It's not a speculative asset, which is what I do think Bitcoin is, but that's an opinion. Again, yeah. I, I have all kinds of respect for the the, the intellectual argument behind Bitcoin. Uh, I think there's other risks there. But gold is a store of value and it's a hedge. It's also an equity hedge more than bonds because stocks and bonds are so correlated today. A, a portfolio of stocks and bonds is the worst thing you could be in right now in terms of risk assets. But we looked at Ronnie Sterfula, a partner of ours out of out of Liechtenstein, an Austrian, brilliant Austrian thinker. He made a chart of um, the the you know every equity or every stock market crash. Gold outperforms on a median level stocks by forty five percent when markets crash. Hmm. Now this market seems to never crash, but it will. Like all things that go up, it will come down. Um, and all asset bubbles crash. The expiration date has has just been prolonged. But 
gold is a much better hedge against a falling stock market than bonds are because bonds are just as inflated as stocks right now. And so investors need to think about it as also just a hedge not only against inflation, but a hedge against stock market risk. And this stock market continues to survive on Fed stimulus and monetary printing and low interest rates. But it's like you and I, if we have 50 martinis, eventually we kill our liver. Eventually we have a hangover. We can postpone that by having as many Bloody Marys as possible. But no one can drink 12 to 50 martinis without poisoning themselves. And you can't print trillions of dollars without killing your financial system or your currency system. You can't. You can't. Um, Here's an email from Kevin. Does your guest recommend uh, rhodium? And uh, palladium, rhodium, palladium. Uh, yeah, we we actually do deal in palladium, not rhodium. And the long answer is, I recommend just about any hard asset right now in in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a risk asset bubble. Um, you know, the pricing on those can be more volatile than gold and silver. So anyone who invests in those has to have the stomach for it. But I think just about any hard asset, monetary metal or uh, base metal um, is a better investment than an overvalued equity or credit investment right now. Um, uh, but yeah, palladium, we do actually uh, offer for storage and sale, uh, but we're mostly gold and silver. But the short answer is for those type of assets, you have to be, you have to have the personality and the wealth profile to stomach the volatility. Mm-hmm. And not everyone does. does uh, it, not everyone does. Does it have to be a uh, a fiat world reserve currency or can there just be like rubles and yuan and dollars and yen and and just everybody parties and use what you want i mean could we uh, end up like I think, that i don't think there's any way to get out of the debt hole that bernanke and greens greenspan in particular dug for the u.s and what draghi and his predecessors dug for the european mm-hmm. union in other words the major powers the developed economies the european union in general and the united states in particular are too in debt today to not have to go through some major pain mm-hmm. major austerity major inflation and a major reset they will justify that through things like COVID and through things like this war and the devastating financial consequences, which are only now starting to happen. Mm. And I think if there is anything, if you wanted to get tinfoil hatted, which I have no interest in going there, but if you wanted to think of in terms of um, why they would allow things to get this bad and why they would lock down the economy for two years and why they would allow, if not... Because the State Department has said from the 90s that this Ukraine-NATO thing was suicide. Everyone knew this was pushing them into war. Why did we allow a COVID shutdown? Why did we not diplomatically solve this Ukrainian war? If there was a dark excuse, it would be this. The, The cost of the shutdowns and the cost of this war and the cost of these sanctions will give the criminals who put us in this mess, the whether it's criminal negligence or with intent, the stupidity of our central bank monetary policy since the 1970s, and in particular since 2008, um, the stupidity will be blamed on these extra, ex, ex, extraneous events, exogenous events, these black swans. But COVID wasn't a black swan, and the war in Ukraine wasn't a black swan. These were avoidable crises. The lockdown was a terrible financial disaster. And I hope if we have honest historians and honest information 10 years from now that we'll look back on these policies, not only as being absolutely an antithesis to democracy, but a financially stupid plan from get-go. 
And this is not pro or against Fauci or taking Ron Paul's. I'm just saying mm -hmm. this was open and obvious drunk driving yeah. policy, open and obvious mismanagement of our financial system. Anyone in Texas or Michigan or a house in France mm -hmm. at a village sits down with their wife and says, honey, this is our income. These are our costs. We can't send our kid to Exeter or Harvard this year. We don't have the money. And families have to make those sacrifices every day. We can't buy the new truck. We can't buy that extra horse. We can't put our kids in dance class because we don't have the money. And everyday Americans make those tough decisions. But our government, to stay elected and to stay popular, has gone and spent far more than they earn to get reelected, to promise that recessions are now outlawed, that we can always print our way out of everything, to stay in power and to stay popular. They've put this country in so much debt that they can't even do what a simple housewife and a husband can do every day, which is live within their means. And so I think it's absolutely, uh, absolutely appalling the amount of hubris and mismanagement from Larry Summers at the Treasury to our members of our White House, red and, green, red and blue. They've both made huge mistakes. Obama, Clinton, Trump, uh, Bush, we've all spent more than we could. We've all taken on more deficit spending. Uh, to stay elected, we've ignored interest rate reality, we've ignored money printing reality, we've ignored debt reality, and we're going to blame this on somebody else rather than ourselves. And I think it's sad that our own Fed and our own Treasury Department and our own leaders can't do what a typical husband and wife do every day, which is live within their means. We'd all want a Ferrari. But if we're making a busboy salary, we don't buy a Ferrari. And yet our government has a busboy's income and is driving around a Ferrari. But underneath that Ferrari is a broken engine and a flat tire. And they're going to blame this on something other than themselves. And I think, I hope 20 years from now, 10 years from now, we'll look back and look at the, the, the drunk driving that our leaders have done financially and politically. And I hope we'll call them out on that. But between now and then, Sadly, as always, it's it's the middle class who are going to suffer the most. Yes, sir. They don't have the time to understand all these policies. They don't. Of course, they don't. A couple more, uh, then we'll let you go. Um, this is from I don't know who. Own nothing and be happy. How would Klaus Schwab accomplish seizing assets that are owned outright, like real estate, bank accounts, and precious metals? Yeah, gosh, Klaus Schwab. He's yeah, a he's a, boy, he's a piece of work, right? Yeah. Well, talk about a megalomaniac. Talk about a dangerous power play. I mean, in some ways, people thought, well, now Klaus Schwab is, is in decline because globalization, what he wanted, is in decline. You could argue, though, that because of the ramifications of this Ukraine sanction and the pain that's coming for the West, because, again, they were aiming at Putin, but they're shooting themselves in the foot, um, there's going to be so much dislocation, so much financial unrest, so much stress that as more and more centralized governments and, and oligarchical as opposed to democratic regimes come into play, that we will go towards that central bank digital currency, that electronic control over our income. And to answer his question, in a worst case scenario, the Klaus Schwab's of the world will have the ultimate finger on the ultimate trigger for all of our assets. Uh, and in that regard, they just flick a switch and your income or your access to capital, just like we froze the Russian FX reserves, mm -hmm. I can freeze Mrs. Smith's account in uh, Toledo, Ohio, if she doesn't play along. Or in the name of national security, which is the meme they always use for everything, from COVID to uh, the, the post 9-11 kind of de deliberate destruction of our civil liberties, in the name of national security, the amount of power that that meme gives them to effectively be tyrants, like, just, like Trudeau in Canada, in the name of emergency measures. 
I mean, what he did is an insult to democracy. It's an insult to free thinking. It's an insult to peaceful resistance. And now that's becoming mainstream. It's like a setup. It's like dress rehearsal for more and more controls. The, the, the economic and financial disorderly reset that's to come is going to give those in power, if they're allowed to stay in power, uh, more control over our lives with the click of a switch. Mm-hmm. Um, JP wants to know, does your guest think that big banks or uh, 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 even the smaller banks in, in the various cities around the country um, are safe? Hmm. Well, well, it, 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 no. The short answer is <laughs> no. no. Uh, that's the dark answer. The, the main reason is their exposure uh, to derivatives. Their the banking risks are, uh, but it's appalling. Actually, their balance sheets. It's it goes into definitions of net and gross balance sheet values, derivative values, and market market and all that. But the bottom line is. They're, they're way over their skis in debt, way over their skis in debt. The, the, the positive side is the, the too big to fail notion. If the powers that be stay in power, they'll never, allow, they'll never allow the big banks to totally collapse because they're in bed with the Fed and they're in bed with government. So uh, the larger banks will survive. The smaller banks will be kind of built into them or absorbed by them. So if, uh, if, if natural market forces were allowed and derivative markets tanked, these banks would fail, but I think in the name of national self-interest or national security, governments will find a way to keep these banks monetized mm-hmm. and liquid no matter what. They're always going to be protected. Mm-hmm. That goes back to the origins of the Fed. So then, uh, big picture, Matthew, uh, I hear you saying that if you people are fortunate enough to have a bunch of cash and are just sitting on it right mm-hmm. now, you're better off in a Chase or a City or Wells than, than, or than, than a smaller bank. Hmm. Probably. Probably, but I think even the you know yeah. the smaller banks will still have their FDIC protections, their insured protections. Depends on the amount of money you have in those banks. Even yeah. if those smaller banks fail, they're insured to a certain level. Uh, they'll be absorbed by bigger banks. The idea of the bank just disappearing with your money, I think, won't happen, even in a in a disorderly scenario. Uh, but again, that's why, regardless whether you have a hundred thousand, ten thousand, or a hundred million, you can put a you can put at least twenty percent of your disposable or free wealth that is liquid wealth um into physical asset like physical gold again i'm not saying 100 percent. i'm not even saying look at the price of gold today or next week or next month it's irrelevant it should be agnostic if you can put 10 to 15 percent of whatever free wealth you have into a into an insurance policy not a speculative asset an insurance policy like physical gold i remember my uncle i was born in 1970 my uncle buying me silver dollars and gold dollars when i was six seven years is old right? he's, a, he's a simple good man from you know the midwest wow. wasn't sophisticated but he he was right he knew he it. was right he knew it he yeah. knew it yeah. and you know i didn't know squat when i was six seven years old but he, he was absolutely right then and he's absolutely right today it's the same thing you don't have to be a millionaire with a zurich access to a swiss vault you just have to make sure you get a, a, a small amount of your income, whatever that is, into an insurance policy, just like you would for a car or a house. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that insurance policy is gold. It's not Bitcoin. That's my view. Some can go Bitcoin. I'm sure there are many you know, evangelically faithful crypto holders, and I'm not here to laugh at them. I've written a lot about it. I don't think it's, uh, it's a joke. I think it's serious. I respect Bitcoin, but for me, I'm old-fashioned, and I trust- You'd rather to, just uh, have the gold- yeah, George yep. wants to know if your guest knows anything about this uh, structure in Texas owned by the uh, run by the state to store gold. I, we heard about it a few years ago. I haven't heard. Do you know anything about that? 
It's some kind uh, of specifically vault. in Texas. No, no in I Texas. don't know. It doesn't mean it may not. It doesn't mean it isn't good. I, I personally don't know. I know there's some storage vaults in Idaho because mm-hmm. of the rules and laws that are unique to Idaho that are somewhat more protective than other jurisdictions. But I'd look. I'm happy to look into it because I love Texas and I have a lot of yeah, friends there. I'll, I'll check some, it out. Uh, some state-run mm-hmm. vault thing where you can, you know, they're mm-hmm. gonna, you know, they're gonna store your gold and stuff. I'd be worried about if it's state-run as opposed to privately held. Yeah. Again, even privately held vaults, though, are subject to state laws at some point. If Big Brother wants something bad enough, even in Switzerland, they can get it. That's the fear. I mean, that's the worst-case scenario. Well, that's the question know, right? of, uh, before on cryptos before we let you go and go to work. And Oh, it's nighttime there. You're going to go to dinner and not here. work. Yeah. It's yeah. southern France. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so do you think it's possible? I mean... Hey, anything's possible, but do you think that the uh, United States government could, I don't know, d- do something and actually try to close down Bitcoin? I mean, the, the peer-to-peer mm-hmm. thing, I don't think they can really stop it. Uh, they could probably make mm-hmm. it illegal, right? Just like they make drugs mm-hmm. illegal, but that doesn't do it. hasn't done anything for drugs. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. You know, I, you've written about I, it. You've looked at that. I mean, is that a yeah, risk I think that it, they could just It is a risk. It is a risk. I'm up? not saying that. I'm not saying this to uh, you know scare Bitcoiners no, I because I, I respect I respect why people buy Bitcoin. I really do. Sure. And I and it, it's trust me, the, just like the government and the Treasury Department and the Congress are fearful of gold, they're particularly fearful of Bitcoin you bet too. They are <laughs> because because Bitcoin is a middle finger to their currency to yeah, the U.S. Sure. dollar. Yeah. It's no coincidence that Congress and even Yellen herself has come up with ideas. At multiple fronts, a that Bitcoin is simply a house for you know money laundering and sex trafficking right, and right. drug trafficking and illegal arms trafficking and and to make it even more insulting, they're suddenly very concerned about the moral issue of Bitcoin being an energy sucker because the electricity needed to mine Bitcoin mine, yeah. is not green. Please. So they're coming up with a moral <laughs> and a, an environmental reason to make Bitcoin less and less attractive and potentially illegal. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen easily, but they're doing their best to put a boot to the neck of Bitcoin, just like they've been doing to gold for different reasons or similar reasons. Yeah. Um, they uh, they have the power to do that. Would they succeed? Uh, what would be the reaction from the market, from the average citizen? I think Bitcoin has gotten so much more momentum uh, than they expected that then again there are others who say who really created bitcoin where's their board of directors where's their home office did the government create bitcoin to put a false foot on gold there's all kinds of views no no none of us know the answers but it would be interesting if bitcoin was a state-created film wouldn't it be a great film film. (laughs) but if bitcoin truly is this grass work you know grass roots right Yeah. yeah truly heroic alternative to discredited fiat currencies Trust me, the government will do its best to strangle it over time. And now, the crypto nerds I've talked to, and I haven't talked to a lot, but they'll say, you know, they, they kind of explain to me the way it works, that there's like billions of people mm-hmm. would have to even get involved to even say we're going to mm-hmm. create more than 20 million. It's, that's why it's never going to happen, you know, the right, limited right. amount. And that no matter yep. what the government would say, what are they going to do? Uh, you know, I mean, right. I guess they can make anything illegal just like they make 
cocaine and yeah. marijuana right. illegal. So does that stop people well, from hell, doing it? You know, you could have an Al Capone underground, just like we had during Prohibition. <laughs> yeah, sure. We had secret pubs where you could buy alcohol. You can have a secret world where Bitcoin is the exchange. Yeah. But I mean, it just makes it more difficult. Can you stop this train in motion now? This Bitcoin train? Can you stop it? Um, it, it part of it depends on what are the true origins of it. And I think until that's totally clear i'd i'd be um, that's what makes me nervous that's what makes you Where nervous does this about really it. come from yeah the blockchain technology is brilliant it's beautiful uh and the in the intellectual argument behind it is brilliant but gold comes from the periodic table of the elements it comes from god's green earth so to speak i yeah. trust it i trust it biblically i trust it mathematically i trust it geopolitically um and i don't trust right now our system I hope, rather than revolution or blood in the streets or nonsense, that we just simply elect more honest government officials. We put the Fed under the microscope that it deserves to be from Thomas Jefferson's warnings today, that we come up with a better alternative, that we go through transparent austerity, that we face facts like a family would. As a country, we have to accept that we're in debt over our skis. We have to tighten our belts. Everyone has to contribute. We need political leaders to speak the truth about this. We need a, I think Americans are strong enough to go through two world wars and make sacrifices if someone tells them the truth. I think if we can get through this political morass, this swamp, and get honest leaders back in or get honest leaders in for the first time and face this as a country with transparency, we'll do fine. We'll struggle. But we've struggled through worse. We've struggled through a civil war. We've struggled through the first war. We've struggled through Iwo Jima. We've struggled Mm. through Normandy. We can struggle through this, but we have to be respected with truth. And we have to have a stronger currency. We have to have an honest currency. Uh, I think we have to have honest policy. And we have to be honest like we will with our family. When a father gets cancer, he tells his wife and tells the kids, this is our problem. Mm. We have to deal with this now. Mm. What politicians are doing today is pretending we don't have anything to worry about. The Fed has your back. We have a magical money printer. There's nothing to worry about. That's too good to be true, and it is. And I think most people are catching on now. And if 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 that's not possible, if the whole thing is so swampy, which is possible, mm-hmm. that's another alternative. If it's just so swampy; it's never going to happen. Good people never going to get in there. Then you got yeah. uh, you know. Then the thing will probably implode, and then we'll just move on and do something else. You know, or well, and have yeah. gold. You know. <laughs> yeah yeah look it's all empires all empires eventually rise and fall yeah and they usually last about 250 years and there's a cycle to them and, and i think you know we either have to fish or cut bait here and make a decision what kind of country we want to be uh-huh. you know I, I whether that's left or right i would just see someone honest and transparent like Rand paul or ron paul or people cool like that guy, who just yeah. these are cool guys these are cool guys you know i don't think you have to be partisan to say at least they're speaking the truth you know when you're being hoodwinked yeah. you know when there's double speak when powell or fauci speak you feel it you can feel it that hemingway bs detector kicks in real fast and it's not a question of being partisan just treat us with the respect treat us with transparency you don't tell us how to live or tell us what to think or what's safe for us like we're children well matthew and, uh, there's quite a bit of energy decision. in this country uh for you know texas and florida to just mm-hmm. tell Joe, just leave me alone. We're going our own way, dude. We're just going to mm-hmm. be our own country. I mean, yeah. DeSantis is really, you know, mm-hmm. pretty cool stuff. So yeah. that, that could be an option too, you know, Oklahoma, Texas. It, whether whether it's official or not, we're coming back to real federalism. Whether yeah, it's federalism, official or not, people, that's are, exactly people, right. are, yeah. people are moving to Florida for a reason. You bet. My Texas daughter is too. leaving. Yeah. My daughter's at Goldman Sachs. She loves her job. She's in Seattle. She's she in gold watched. in my I, slacks. Your daughter is in the belly yeah, of the beast. God, it's, I, love it's, her. <laughs> I, I said, you got to learn the enemy, you know, but it's funny because 
She's. I was there when she started four years. I've watched Seattle and San Francisco uh-huh. and Portland disintegrate. Not. I don't care what your politics. Defund the police. Chaz, free city. It's a catastrophe. It's an absolute yes, political sir. failure. And I don't. You don't have to be on any partisan side to see that. Call a duck a duck. She's literally leaving a job and an income and a, and a team that she loves because the city she lives in is rotting. Where is that? And people like her. What city? In Seattle. Seattle. Seattle, Washington. And she's not alone. People at Amazon, Boeing, they're leaving these jurisdictions because you can't feel safe there. It's not safe. Um, and so hmm. going to your point about federalism, Texas, I mean, come on, Texas yep. is unique from John Bell Hood all the way down. All I mean, down. Texas is Texas. And, and it's like, it's the same with Florida. There's something people are gravitating towards their own compass north. And whether there's, you know, I don't think we have to have civil war, but we have to have we 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 rise towards our own level of good thinking, and it's no coincidence that guys like DeSantis are speaking more transparently. Even if you don't agree with them, at least you know what you're getting. Whereas Biden and others come in with one thing out of their mouth and then do a policy which is completely the opposite. People are seeing through that, left and right. And so, hmm. you know, and you after know, while, going to get after this whole Fauci thing, and that yeah, people are just saying, "Leave me alone!" You know, you guys are just yeah. nuts. You know, just leave me you alone. You can't trust yeah. anybody yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's like this, leave me alone and i i feel yeah. i have such compassion for people who watch television i can't even imagine what's going on there i mean i yeah. just can't even yeah. imagine but it's i'm sure yeah. it's, i'm sure yeah. it's a real party <laughs> i don't know how you make it out of sure. there alive boy watching tv well you're fun to yeah. talk to matthew I, I had a good time boy did we, we overstay our welcome or what it's hour and uh, 40 yeah, minutes what's the deal yeah what are you I gonna, know it's a good conversation. Yeah, good I had, conversation. A good, had a good time. What, what are you going to have for dinner? What's what's what, what's going on? Well, you know, in the, in this part of France, it's duck and red wine. That's probably oh, what I'll do. Oh, you're breaking yeah. my heart here. Yeah, duck yeah. and red wine. Do you guys cook a well, lot at cheap. home? You guys cook a lot at home. What well, is this area is the gastronomic center of France, which is already known for its food, but this particular region, it's like it's like a Texas barbecue. I mean, this part wow. of, the, of France is is really really good food, and you know, wine here is still affordable. It's really good. Mm-hmm. A table wine here is better than I get in the states. So, yeah, no, we we eat well, and it's a beautiful place, and the world's still beautiful. People are still beautiful. There's still hope for all of us. The best things in life truly are free anyway, and uh, we just need the basics and. Just be informed. Just be informed as possible without being too cynical. I think we deserve. I think America is going to do great things. Still, I'm not I totally think so cynical too. yet. Yeah, I, I think so yeah. too. Tell folks a bit about your website and where they can find your work if they want to read some of the good stuff you have. And your your book, it's still available, mm-hmm. right? Rig to fail. Oh yeah. Rig to Fail is a nice little, well, it's a nice synopsis of my thinking, and it gives you more chance to dig into these uh-huh. more nuanced questions like derivatives, in a, and I think in a, in, a, in a normal way of speak, not market speak, Good. if you really want to dig into the weeds. Uh, so yeah, Rig to Fail, and our website is goldswitzerland.com, and there's a publication section where you can read all my articles on any topic, and uh, Egon von Greyer's articles are quite good. Uh, both of us publish there. And uh, so, yeah, check us out on goldswitzerland.com. Even if you can't put all your money in Zurich, you know, you can learn about why you should have gold, period, whatever your income level, whatever your sophistication level. Give it a thought. You don't have to drink all the Kool-Aid, but give it a, some thought. You know, you really should think about it. Yes, and, uh, work. Well, 
Thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. I had a good time. I really did. Thank you. Thank I don't you, know. Patrick. I, I think I found you on Zero Hedge or something like what, an article. Yes. That's why I, I, yeah. I found you. I, I read it and I yeah. said, well, this guy sounds interesting. And he invited me yeah. out and he said, come. So, so why don't you guys have a big party over there and invite us all over? And, you know, we'll, yeah. And, if people can fly to Europe again, you yeah, know, we'll see you. Good luck with that. Out, you know? Know? Good luck. Yeah. Matthew, thanks a lot, yeah. brother. Take care. All right. Take care, Patrick. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Boy, he's fun to talk to, man. I had a good time. That was great. Okay, so we are going to, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to wrap things up for uh, for the day. Uh, It's Farmer's Market Day, so it's always exciting around here in Dripping Springs, Texas, uh, on Wednesday. So we we like that. And um, that's at 3 o'clock. I will see you on Friday. Oh, I just need to do a plug here. Yeah, Matthew's got a great company, but they're big time. I mean, he he told you that. I think they're minimum a uh, few million bucks, but whatever. But if you want to buy some gold and silver coins, real American money, here's the place to do it, right here. It's uh, Fred Dashevsky, who's on the first Wednesday of every month. He will be on next Wednesday, 800-878-2646, really. He's a great guy. They've got a small boutique company, you know, not a whole lot of employees. Anybody that you talk to there really know their stuff. I guarantee you, guarantee you, you're going to get the best price that possible. Uh, Don't go on late night TV and buy some coins or something. You have no idea what you're buying. But um, Fred is a longtime associate of Andrew Goss, my mentor in the money game who helped me to understand how this works and as I, it's an ongoing learning process. And uh, uh, Fred's a good guy, very credible, very ethical. And uh, it's just real American money. They don't do bullion like Matthew in, uh, in chunks or even bullion coins. Now you can get those at the Mint or other places where you get like a silver you know, just a silver or gold one-ounce coin. Those are good to invest in, but Fred doesn't do those. His are all just real American uh, numismatic coins, so they're all graded, except for the pre-1965 dimes, quarters, halves, and silver dollars. Now, those puppies are called currency silver, and you can buy those in bags, and those are great. You can bury them in the backyard, you know, put them in a nice... A waterproof thing or whatever, and uh, they're silver. Now, you know, there's you know, there's a certain percentage. I don't know in quarters and dimes, but these are going to be worth some money someday when the you know when this thing all explodes or just keeps going up, whatever. So this is the place to go. And then if you want to uh, go into the numismatic area and get some uh, you know some numismatic coins like uh, Saint Gaudens and more you know pricey coins that are graded in plastic cases and have numismatic as well as collectible, well, numismatic as well as gold and silver content value, that's where, that's where you really do well as uh, the central banks continue to print more money in the years to come. And as you know, if you listen to the folks that we talk to, that's what they're going to do. They've got no other choice. Unless they wake up, as Andrew used to say, wake up and have a cup of coffee and say, well... We just need to change our ways and we're going to get real and tell the truth and uh, not spend more than we take in and tell people about the money and they're not going to do that. 
right? Not going to happen. So check it out. Fred Dashevsky, U.S. Going Capital, 800-878-2646. And if you know people in your family that, uh, that are interested in that, pass on this number to them. And this is a, a place that we can assure you that you're going to get the best deal ever. And trust what you get. All right. Love you guys. I will see you on Friday at uh, 10 o'clock. Friday, 10 o'clock, right here. Thanks for your ongoing support. If you need some products, go to our website, oneradionetwork.com, oneradionetwork.com, and that's how we make our living, and we appreciate your, your support. We do. Let me know if I can help. Patrick, oneradionetwork.com. I love you. Take care. See you Friday. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.